and welcome to the latest episode of the Celtic View podcast brought to you in association with Eden Mill. As always, we'd like to thank Eden Mill for their ongoing support of both Celtic Football Club and here at the Celtic View podcast. I'm Joe Donnelly, reporter at the Celtic View, and I'm joined today by a man comprised of safe hands, good patter and a questionable lockdown haircut. It's Scott Bain. <laughs> Scott, thank you for joining us. Great intro there. Thank you. I think you brought it on yourself. Um, I want to talk about your career at Celtic. I want to talk about lockdown, how you're doing. We might talk about the haircut, obviously. But first and foremost, on a more serious note, how are you coping? Uh, I know that you've been on the, the Celtic Instagram talking through your day and your training regimes and stuff like that. But naturally, the longer this goes on, the stranger it becomes, I think. You know, it becomes almost a weird normal, but it's still very, very different. How, how are you doing and how's your family and stuff? Yeah, I'm... I'm coping quite well. I think I think at the start everyone was about the same the first few weeks. It's okay. Um it's something to get used to and as it gets longer and longer it's it's getting harder and harder to get used to. Um and everyone's just wanting to get back to to normality and um especially us, everyone's wanting to get back on the on the training pitch. And uh, the the good weather's not uh, not helping being locked down either. Mm-hmm. I know that for a lot of the, the outfield players, like fitness is such a big part of their day-to-day training. And I know that naturally the goalkeepers do work on fitness, but a lot of your stuff is handling it, is footwork. And is it harder for goalkeepers then to... I know you were saying you were doing a lot of shoulder work and you're doing kind of weights at home and stuff, but so much of your training is about getting amongst the guys doing your drills, doing your handling and doing your footwork, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's been difficult. Um I think the hardest part is when you're a goalkeeper that your fitness work comprises of your whole body. So you're diving, you're getting up, you're mm-hmm. you're going again. Um, you need to be explosive, and it's it's kind of difficult to do some of those drills at home. So I think I've just tried to adapt in terms of do a lot of skipping, and even when I do the bike, I'll do things like thirty seconds on, fifteen seconds on, as fast as you can, just to try and keep that speed work up. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fast uh, fast feet at home. But yeah, I think it's a little bit more difficult for us as goalkeepers to try and stay as sharp and uh, try and stay as uh, fit as we normally would be. Yeah, on your Instagram thing, I know that you were saying, um, you know, why do why do they give goalkeepers exercise bikes? Are you enjoying that any more than you were a few weeks ago? <laughs> um, no, it's it's been okay. Um, I think it it's good to get a break from from doing runs outside and and do a bit of bike work that. Um, burns the thighs off you, but um, it's I'm getting used to it now. And of course, the haircut. The haircut was a was a lockdown move. I've seen a lot of people shaving their heads and dyeing their hair. And as a as a bald man, I get frustrated both because I can't do I can't do any. I don't really fancy growing a moustache. What was the thinking behind the behind the hair? Was that a spur of the moment thing, or did you just think, yeah, I'm going for it? Well, I thought I better not shave it just in case it doesn't grow back. Um, <laughs> So I thought, uh, why not give it a wee, give it a go with a die? And um, to be honest, I thought no one was going to see it. And then the, the next day, I got the text saying, "Oh, you're going to do the Instagram uh, <laughs> takeover." So I backfired a little bit there, but um, I don't mind it. It's uh, it's getting some used to. It. But I think by the time we're out of lockdown, I'll get a wee haircut. It could be gone. So uh, yeah, make most of it yeah. Yeah, you're playing up the the Eminem comparison, Slim Baney, I think was the line that Leith went with on the on the Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you were you were playing some some Eminem music whilst you were working out on your Instagram takeover. I know that 
from something we did in the Celtic View, I think it was last year, a music thing that you are into your rap music. How does M rank among your, your favourite artists? Yeah, actually, um, <laughs> when I was young, I actually loved Eminem. Um, <laughs> and obviously, uh, swear words and, and the rap songs. So I used to, it used to be back in the days, I'd watch um, an M concert on the TV and plug my headphones into the TV so my mum couldn't hear me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's up there. He's uh he's definitely up there. Top three songs of Eminem. You going old school? You going real slim shady and stuff like that? Yeah, I would go for. Um, let me just think. I've actually got an Eminem playlist on my phone as well. Which is a bit... <laughs> <laughs> I'd go for uh, Role Model. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'll go for uh, My Name Is. You gotta go for that. Mm-hmm. And the real Slim Shady. Have you seen the the Defiant ones, the documentary with Jimmy Iovine, and it's yeah. with Dr. Dre? Yeah, where they talk about when Eminem and Dr. Dre first met, and uh, it's my name is, and they instantly kind of hit it off with that song. I think it's brilliant. I was very similar, um, reminiscing. I had my hair dyed blonde when I was much younger, as I say. It frustrates me I can't do it now. So yeah, <laughs> at least you're carrying the torch for people that have got hair, Scott. <laughs> on the on Hang the. On, <laughs> on the Instagram takeovers you guys seem to have fun with it naturally you've got the Q&A put in there as well and fans get the chance to pitch some serious questions some less serious questions and generally have a bit of fun with it and one of the questions I've been posing to the players that we've had on is naturally we miss the football and it can only return when it's safe to do so naturally the, the health and well-being of everybody in the world is of paramount importance but those little takeovers those little insights into what you guys are doing are really valuable for the fans you know it gives them a sense of connectedness with the football still even in these strange circumstances and naturally i suppose it gives you guys that 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 about that chance to still be speaking to the fans you must enjoy that as well yeah definitely i think um as well it, it gives you a day where it sort of can hold back the boredom once you're you're done your workouts once you've had your lunch there's always a spell where you're like right what do i do with myself now and uh, it's been good to connect back with the fans on social media and answer the questions and even lets us um, reminisce over some things you might have forgotten about through the questions that they asked. So uh, it was definitely a good day. I enjoyed it. You mentioned reminiscing, which feels like the perfect segue into the next part of this podcast. I want to speak about your Celtic career. And in that takeover, you mentioned your three favourite games. There was the your debut for Celtic at Ibrooks, you had the away leg in last season's last 32 UEFA Europa League encounter with Valencia at the Mestalla, and you had the treble treble cup winning um, final back in May last year. Firstly, let's remember that first Glasgow derby of March 11, 2018. Three minutes plus added time, and just down the left hand side, Declan John. Against McGregor, walks it across. Windass leaves it for Tavernier. Back to Windass. It's a shot. And a wonder save from Scott Bain. Well, he saved the first effort for Tavernier. 
Morelis. I'm not sure how he saved it. There's Rangers players on their knees. The first save from our angle, I thought it's a goal. And he gets done, he does brilliantly well, gets a really, really strong hand on it. And then I don't know how he gets hold of the second one. You know, he does brilliantly well to get back on line. And Morelis, I don't know if he miskicked it or what, what kind of connection he got, but he does great. And he, you know, used to see him there with his two hands on the ball right on the line was absolutely brilliant. His debut's goal doesn't get much better than that. How much did you enjoy that game? I loved every minute. Um, I went out there just to, to enjoy it, enjoy the experience. Uh, and you only, you only enjoy it if you win, so it was, it was unbelievable. When did you actually find out that you'd been the starting 11 for today's game? Um, I woke up with a text um, this morning about 8 o'clock just after Doris did a fitness test. Um, so I had plenty of time to get myself right and, and focused on the game. I suppose joining Celtic as well is the big games that you want to play in. It doesn't really get much bigger than a, than a derby game here at Ibrox. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll make you or break you. Um, and I just tried to go into the game and, and be calm and be focused and not try and do anything extraordinary and just, just try and, and, and play my own game. And saying that, you did have a couple of really uh, exceptional saves in the yeah. second half in particular. Yeah, um, I enjoyed them. I think the one hits the post and I just try and scramble it on the line. and, and uh, it, it was an important save for us. Um, I, I'm glad that I could contribute to, to the win, but the goals we scored were, were unbelievable. And also, you know, when we went down at 10 men, it just took a lot of resolve. The team dug in and, and really did well and protected your goal as well. <coughs> yeah, that's twice now. Um, Aberdeen away, down to 10 men. Uh, today, down to 10 men. Uh, we showed how uh, organised we are and how, how much of a squad together we are, that, that we dig in for each other and, and we'll dig our mates out if, if any mistakes are made. Um, and I was really impressed with us today when we went down to 10 men. Do you think it would just take a wee while just to really kind of savour it because it's just flown by in, in the blink of an eye? Yeah, I think so. I think that's me just taking a breath now from the game. Uh, mentally, you've got to be focused throughout the entire game. You, you never know what can happen. And I've lost my voice a wee bit. It was so loud out there. What a game to make your debut. Yeah, it was amazing. I think um, it was more around the, the circumstances before. that I trained the day before as normal with, with Doris and... Um, everything seemed fine and I remember getting to the hotel Doris was there um, the next day getting a text in the morning saying that um, be ready just in case mm -hmm. and then uh, after breakfast got told yeah you're, you're going to be starting um, so yeah it was a, a bit of a, a knockback like oh, here we go um, <laughs> but to be honest I was, I was really excited I thought right this is this is my chance because at the time I obviously came on loan. It was more of a, a backup thing just to, to make sure that if anything happened and I thought, yeah, I'll get games through the season, mm -hmm. but they might not be games that matter. So it might not give me a chance to, to really show um, if I can make it at the club. So I thought it was a fantastic opportunity. Um, and obviously the way the game went was, was fantastic. It was a game that had everything... Mm -hmm. Unbelievable goals, um, and uh, Jozo sending off, and then Odson with a fantastic winner. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also claiming two assists of an assist in that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I remember, I kicked one to Chris, he flicked it on. Tom scored a pass one mm -hmm. to Brunei, and he played one over the top for Musa. So, no, it was a fantastic day, and obviously, it's one of those games where you don't realize how big a club you're at until 
you're you're right in the mix of it at the end, and and you see what it means to people, and uh, mm-hmm. you see what it means to to the players and the, the staff as well. So, yeah, it was fantastic there. Did the last minute nature of that call up did did that sort of fit a mould for you? Given that you signed on loan for Celtic that January with I think it was like fifteen minutes to spare, uh, you come all the way from Easter Road, still wearing your Hibs tracksuit. And it was, you know, right to the wire, not much notice. That seems quite similar to how you were brought into the team that day as well. I think it actually helped to be thrown in at last minute. It didn't give me too yeah. much time to, to be in my own head. I just remember being on the bus and I thought, I'm not going to look at my phone. I could just feel it in my pocket vibrating like so many people getting the news that, that mm. I was going to be starting. Um, I didn't want to look or, or go on anything, so I just left it and then, it really gave me a chance once I stepped on the pitch to warm up. That was me pretty much focused on the game and I, I didn't have too much time to get in my own head. Yeah. I mean, what a game it was and, and naturally Celtic fans and then the Celtic players, whether they played or not that afternoon, remember the result, they remember the, the celebrations at the end. Three minutes into that game, a defensive error from Dedrick Boyata, Josh Windass runs up the pitch, credit to him. It's a great finish. Firstly, it's very unlike Dedrick because he's a class defender. We know how capable he is. And secondly, how are you feeling at that point where, you know, first game at Ibrox, the home side have went in front, the majority of the stadium is bouncing, it's not going to plan and there's no sense of how it's going to end at that point because the game's only started. How are you feeling at that minute? Um, to be honest, I think it actually helped me as well. It took a lot of pressure <laughs> off me. I thought, right, it's 1-0, it can't get any worse from here. <laughs> um, it allowed me to be a little bit more free in the game and I remember a ball coming over the top quite early on, maybe probably after the goal, and um, the striker was charging me down and I just lifted it over his head to KT. Mm-hmm. And we went up the pitch and I thought, right, that's me, I'm settled in the game. Um, and I don't think our team, we really thought that that goal was going to affect us. We just we, we had a plan before the game and we knew, regardless of who scored first, when, when there was a goal, we knew that if we carried out that plan that we were going to win the game so mm-hmm. um, and nothing really phased us from that You mentioned that the quality of the goals that afternoon Tom's equaliser Musa's equaliser and of course Oddson's winner three brilliant goals and naturally being the furthest back in the pitch goalkeepers normally have the, the best seat in the house for those goals <laughs> in terms of those three goals that afternoon are you willing to commit to a favourite in terms of how it unfolded from your position on the pitch? Um I think I had the best view of Tom's when he got the flick on and he, he cuts onto his left foot and I just had the perfect view of that just um, curling past the goalkeeper. Um, from that point there, I really thought that, yeah, that's it. We're we're going to go on and win the game. But obviously, you can't beat it when the winner goes in. And uh, it was a fantastic feeling. But I just wish I was up there in, in the mixer when he scored to, to join in the celebrations. <laughs> And of course, you were called into action in quite dramatic fashion at the end of the game. And something that you say so often about goalkeepers is, you know, you could have little to nothing to do or, you know, relatively nothing to do over the course of 90 minutes. But then when you're called into action in the final seconds, it's crucial that you're concentrated, you're focused and you can perform. You make a great save. Alfredo Morelos hits the post and then you smother the ball. And at that point, as a fan, you know, you're not willing to let out a gasp or anything, but it kind of felt like, yeah, this is Celtic's afternoon. I know it happened very quickly in the moment, but how do you reflect on that with you know the hindsight of time now? Um, yeah, looking back, I just think he hits a decent strike when he cuts in on his right foot and 
I thought I had a good enough hand in it to push it away. And I just seen that Morelos was coming in, so I got up as quick as possible. I thought, um, just get the ball. And I'd, looking back, I've watched it a few times. Well, I had watched it a few times, and I don't know how I managed to keep it out. It's like <laughs> just smothered it and, and gave it everything to, to try and keep it out. I knew I knew how much I knew how much it meant to the team after that moment. And yeah, I, I thought the same after that. That that's it. That was the real opportunity to get back in the game. And, and mm-hmm. I, from there, I thought we were going to see it out. Mm-hmm. And fast forward, the best part of a year, you are in uh, the Mestalla, the second leg against Valencia. And again, speaking in, as a supporter, I think what made that one a sore one, despite the overall result, obviously, the aggregate score linked into that game 2 0 down. But in that opening 35, 36, 37 minutes, whatever it was before uh, Jeremy Tojan gets sent off, I think Celtic were playing some of the best football in Europe that I've seen in recent years. It looked confident, you know, moving the ball about really well, possession, and really pressing Valencia deep at, obviously, you know, at their home ground. And naturally, they're a hard enough team to play against when it's even numbers, but when you go, you know, a man down, it becomes increasingly difficult. For that opening period, were you guys the same on the pitch? It, was a, it, it felt like Celtic were playing with the confidence in Europe that we saw, of course, this season, but given that um, obviously they were taking a, a 2-0 score line to Valencia that up until that point Celtic really were, were, were kind of proving themselves. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's probably one of the best performances I've seen um, since I've been here. And um, yeah, it was very, very unlucky that Jeremy got sent off. But we still had chances in the game and, and it really showed you that we were going out fighting and that that's a really, really top top-class team that you played against and, and we showed um, that we can stand up and be counted against them. Um, obviously, uh, like you say, going into the game 2-0 down, we, we didn't have anything to lose. So I think we played with our freedom and our confidence and it, and it really showed. And um, You never know if, if Jeremy doesn't get sent off how, how that game could go. And you mentioned that the save that you made in the Mestalla is you know your favourite save uh, in your career and to do that anywhere to do it at Celtic Park but to do it in a stadium like the Mestalla that must only enhance the memory I'm sure Yeah I think so I think because it was my first real test in, in Europe the, the two legs and I felt like I performed well in both of them but to be able to pull off a, a good save and a big which was a big save at the time to, to keep us going keep us motivated to, to try and press for a goal Um it was fantastic, and I felt like I proved that I could play at that level during that game, and I, I really enjoyed it. European disappointments aside, uh, the rest of that season went pretty well. I think it's fair to say, especially when you factor in change of management at an unexpected time and the potential that that could upset things behind the scenes. We've spoken so much about the resilience, the attitude, the determination of this team. Uh, and I don't think we will appreciate the success, something which has also been said until many years from now. But a treble, treble, you know, nobody expected the first treble, nobody expected the second, and then to win a third consecutive treble, even saying it now, we've said it so often, especially in the media side of things, but it's it's just remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic achievement, and um, I was I was lucky to be a part of to two of them um, and and play, play a bigger part in obviously the third one mm-hmm. um, but that game I don't think anyone will really know the pressure that was that was on the players that day um, and we didn't play like particularly well as we, we had done the, the, the season uh, prior to that game but 
as you say, the resilience, the hard work, the ability, it, it kind of just shone through and, and it was really the determination to, to not let it slip away, something so incredible um, and credit to the players for that. I know that naturally, in terms of the pressure that you guys are under, you know, it's, it's unfathomable given the external pressure and the pressure that you guys put yourselves under because you play at such a high level consistently that you're building your own pressure upon yourselves. I don't imagine that you guys would have spoken about that too much, you know, that day or the, the week leading up to it. But in hindsight, in retrospect, have you, have you spoken amongst yourselves about, you know, wow, there really was a lot of pressure there on us and we managed to get through it? Yeah, and I, th- I think that a lot of boys that I spoke to, it was more of a relief than a buzzing about winning. It was more, thank God we did that. Yeah, <laughs> Thank God we didn't let that um, slip away from us. Um, and then obviously once that passes, you really enjoy it and you, you, you sit down and think, well, what, what an achievement that was. Um, <laughs> but when the final whistle blows, it's just relief that... that soaks out your body you you're glad that it's over <laughs> you won and it's done um because you didn't you never wanted to be a part of the team that lost the the potential to win a treble treble yeah and 52 minutes into that game when Hearts scored of course they scored first there's still a long enough way to go i know that you said before talking to the ibrooks game that this team has that will to win and just keeps going until the final whistle Odson scores from the spot 10 minutes later, cool as you like, as you kind of grow to expect from him. And then, of course, he gets the winner 20 minutes later with eight minutes of normal time remaining. And again, with your position on the pitch, you must have had a good view of that unorthodox through ball from Mika Lustig that he takes <laughs> in his head. Um, yeah, and I just... It was like a silent moment when, I, when he lifted it past the goalkeeper and it, and it hit the back of the net. Then the just massive roar and, like I say, relief comes over you and when we got in front, I thought there's no doubt that we were going to hold on and win the game. We, mm-hmm. we had the experience, we had the players. I think it's fortunate when you have players like Odson and James A and these attacking players with that ability that you're when you go down one or two goals, you never think you're out of it. Mm-hmm. And watching the opposite half of Hamden, which would have been what you'd have been looking onto from your position on the, on the pitch, Scott, just watching what it means to the fans. And I know that we speak so much and rightly so about what the fans bring to Celtic Park, but at Hamden, yeah, cup final, the treble winning, potentially treble winning goal at that point, of course, it went on to be the treble winning goal. But you can see what it means to the fans. And then, of course, the same again at full time when they have, when you guys have clinched the treble. That must, I can only imagine that will stick with you forever. Just being able to watch on from the opposite end of the pitch as that side just goes mental. Yeah, it's, it gives you goosebumps even thinking about it now. And <laughs> to be able to walk around after you get the trophy and and soak in all the atmosphere and really share the share that moment with the fans, it's it's something that that'll live with all the players for forever. And um, I'm lucky enough to to do it to do it once, but to be a, people like Bruni who get to do that every year, it's it's unbelievable. And speaking to this season, Fraser Foster has of course come in on loan, and, and he's had a he's had a fantastic season at Celtic this year. He's um, in the running for Celtic's Player of the Year, voting for that's open now, sponsored by Daffabet. And of course, Fraser is among those names. Does he get your vote, Scott, putting you on the spot, goalkeepers union and all that? <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think he's he's had a fantastic season, and since he's come in, he's he's really been a 
a vital, pivotal part of the team. Um, he's a fantastic guy. It's it's great to train with him every day and, and just be around him. He's great to have around the place. Um, but I think in general, it's going to be tough for anyone to pick between between the players that are nominated because I think there's a number of players that have had a fantastic season and it's just disappointing that it's been cut short just now. We don't really know what's happening. Hopefully we can, we can finish it and the boys can go on and, and really... Uh, enjoy that moment uh, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I've said that to every single player that we've had on the podcast in, in recent weeks, that yeah, sometimes in a season when everybody's playing well, there is a front runner for a player of year. You think, no, they absolutely deserve it. But this year, as you say, it's very difficult to choose. And speaking to Fraser specifically, he's had some great performances throughout the season. I think it's probably fair to say that his League Cup final display was his best among a, a number of, of solid performances. As a goalkeeper yourself, Scott, and even as one who naturally at Celtic with the competitive squad, you're vying for the same place in the team. How much do you appreciate that kind of performance, knowing everything that goes with it, like you said before, you know, the pressure, the external pressure, and of course the ability and the performance to play at that level in a cup final against your rival? Yeah, you appreciate it massively. Uh, I remember watching the game from the stand and thinking... um, this is this is an unbelievable performance and one of the best you're going to see on on such a big stage. Um, and really, we're we're thankful that we had him to to get away with the win and win and lift the, the cup. But um, he was fantastic that day. Um, obviously, once they get the penalty and he saves it, you think that's it, game over. It's they're not going to get past them today. And um, since then, he, he's been he's been phenomenal. Like I said. Mm-hmm. And I know that Stevie Woods is very well respected behind the, the scenes at Celtic and obviously completely rightly so. He's perhaps a little less front-facing to the fans. You know, He maybe doesn't see the work, the great work that he does with you guys every single day at Lennox Town under normal circumstances. And I always feel that he's a little bit of an unsung hero in terms of Celtic success because of the great work he does with you guys. And again, I know you guys very much appreciate him. But just how important is it, you know, the day-to-day, the stuff that the fans don't always see to be working with the likes of Fraser, with Craig, with yourself, and to be keeping those standards and that competitive nature within the goalkeeping ranks at Celtic? Yeah, it's really important. I think it's, it's down to yourself. Firstly, you need to put in the work, but the the work that we do, we, we would say, um, is, is fantastic and it's, it's helped me improve tenfold. Um, having people like Craig and Fraser, they never let the standard drip, uh, drop. Sorry. So, um, in that case as well, it, it must be really a joy for for Woodsy to be able to train people like that and know that he's got three um, goalkeepers working as hard as they possibly can. But his training is is the best I've seen. And um, like you say, yeah, a bit of an unsung hero, um, and does his work in the background, but. Um, he's been fantastic for me personally and I know he's been fantastic for, for the other goalkeepers as well. He's got some ping on him, doesn't he? He can fair rattle <laughs> a ball. Yeah, he, he likes a top bin. Uh, <laughs> against you. Um, and look, it's hard training, it's hard work. and um, um, he, he really puts on tough, tough sessions but it improves you massively and uh, he likes to say um, Champions League service because um, <laughs> you know you're going to get that on a Saturday so um, expect a top bin every now and again or <laughs> where you're not going to get near it but it's, it's it's always fun as well it's always a good sessions yeah but you mentioned in your instagram uh, q a that your favorite goalkeeper growing up was casillas and modern days ter stegen 
if you had to pick between those two, if they were playing at the same time at the, the top of their game, who would be your choice there, Scott? Um, for me, probably it's not going to be popular, but I would choose Ter Stegen. I think mm. he's he's fantastic, and I'm I'm a sucker for a, a nice pass and uh, <laughs> composure <laughs> on the pitch. So um, I think I've I've never seen anyone with a uh, the ability in terms of with the ball at his feet as a goalkeeper um, I think he could go play field anywhere he wants mm-hmm. <laughs> he's that good and uh, I used to obviously watch a lot of clips um, with Woodsy on him and, and Barcelona and the way they set out and the way they, they get the ball out of certain areas and um, yeah really he was he's fantastic yeah, that save he made against Man United, I'm sure it was. I should have looked this up before I started talking to you. The one where he's coming across himself and then he dives to his left and manages to turn it around the post. Just that that ability to have your whole momentum going one way to then be able to thrust yourself in the other direction and pull off remarkable saves. And as you say, to be able to complement that with you know, such sharp passing, precise passing as well, as a whole, the total package. Yeah, he has one against um, Bayern Munich as well where... He, it's a similar save. He, he puts his left hand out, big strong hand, and it's kind of creeping in, and he manages to get back and push right. it the post. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's going over, and you see it again, and it's absolutely nowhere near the line. That's that's even better again, actually. But yeah, I think I think he's been one who's always had the ability um, to to pass the ball and put it where he wants. But I think over the last three years, he's really cemented himself as a, a top top class goalkeeper, world class, and probably one of the best in the world. The biggest question to finish, Scott. And I know you started to talk about this at the start. What's happening with the Barnet post-lockdown? <laughs> you keeping this going or uh, hard-hitting questions on the Celtic View podcast? I'm not sure. I think it's it's had a few mixed reviews. Um, <laughs> the roots well, are coming through now. Uh, I need a wee trim, like I'm guessing that most people are needing now or we're all choking for the hairdressers. Or maybe not yourself. I feel like you're teasing me now, Scott. Yeah. That's how you order. <laughs> the rest of us are uh, choking for a haircut to get a wee tidy up, but... No, I think this this I don't know. We'll see Have the boys been giving you a bit as well? I know that Nero had his blonde a couple of seasons ago and like so uh, volleyball and golly, Musa going a little bit further back, you know. What, what have the boys been saying to you about the locks? Oh this I had one text for Bruni when I first done it saying <laughs> I thought that was Neil Lennon two thousand. <laughs> um but uh no. Uh, I've had a few mixed reviews with the boys as well, but I don't know, maybe if more people say they don't like it, I'll keep it. <laughs> Despite them. Yeah, I sent a picture to Ryan, he thought I had a filter on. <laughs> it does look like an Instagram filter, to be fair. Um, Old man filter I've got on. <laughs> Listen, Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Naturally, like we said at the top of the programme, we hope that the football can return whenever it's safe to do so. Naturally, the health of all the players, fans around the world is of paramount importance. We are missing it, but we can only do so when it's safe to get back and do so, and we await that day warmly. We can't wait to see you guys back training at Lennox Town and, of course, entertaining us on a Saturday afternoon. But, Scott, listen, thank you so much for joining us and all the very best. Thanks, mate. Pleasure. <laughs>